is really loud. Donkey. Okay, good evening everybody. It is nice to see your faces here tonight. I really appreciate it. And um, yeah, I always believe people that has to be here is yeah. Okay, so tonight, um, as I've mentioned in the past, I, uh, I was a Sunday school teacher for years. Um, and in specific for teenage groups, love teenagers. By the way, I think teenagers are a very, uh, is the best type of species on this, <laughs> in the world. And they keep adults' feet flat on the ground. I love that of them. Um, and they can smell fakeness from a mile. And that's what I like the most. And um, so uh, with these teenage groups, it was very important for me to, um, to build relationships with them. So I would take a grade eight group and I would, I would stay with them until they were confirmed. So it's about four years or something like that. And um, so I had the privilege even now um, to be in contact with them. And some of them are hitting their 30s at this stage. So it's amazing to hear from them, have a coffee with them and so forth. There was this one specific young man that was in my group in 2009. So back then he was around about 16 years old and he was originally from Middleburg, the Mpumalanga Middleburg one. Um, but due to his sports talents, he earned a bursary at a very well-known high school. So he was also part of a bigger boys group um, that played rugby and had won the Bielt Trophy about three times consecutively from standard six to standard eight or grade eight until grade what's it ten that's it I'm old people sorry anyway um, so the identity was smack dab in the rugby am I right okay so they they were boosting discipline and they were judging kids that could not say no to alcohol and um, they exercised their butts off as their body image played a major role in the identity um, and of course, they all aspire to be Springboks one day. Okay, so he was part of a group like that. But now what was interesting of this specific boy is he was a colored, but he had a pure Afrikaans upbringing. So he didn't have that accent, all right? So he's Afrikaans. So as our relationship grew, I had the privy to his story. Because obviously you start questioning, you know, why is he talking brilliantly Afrikaans, but he's a colored guy? So his mother is a Zulu, a Zulu lady, but um, he was brought up by the owner of the farm where she is a worker. Um, so his uh, foster parents were Afrikaans and they lived in Middleburg, um, in the little um, town, very close to the farm. All right. But his contact with his Zulu mother was not that often. All right, so his foster, um, then the next thing that happened to this boy is his foster mother died when he was in grade seven. So it was his last year in primary school. And obviously the year just after that as he started high school, he moved to Pretoria because of his sports bursary. And I remember how he told me that his foster dad was a difficult white Afrikaner man. All right, so if you live in South Africa, you would understand that immediately. And he was a farmer as well and so forth. So he had this thing about him. 
And the times his foster dad fetched him from school in Pretoria to spend a weekend or a holiday at Middleburg, it was always a bit difficult for him because there were, you know, disagreements and then awkward silences that, that were between him and his foster, foster dad. So uh, during his record exam, now record exam is that very important exam in matric around about August, September, he received the news that his foster dad had terminal cancer. And it was in this time that his biological mother decided to tell him who is his real father. So I got a text message from him asking me if I can take him to Middleburg. And I remember I stopped in front of the res. He came out and I could see he was struggling with the situation. So I was thinking he's trying to wrap his mind around his second foster parent that's going to die. But he revealed to me in the car that his real dad was all along his foster dad. So the confusion on his face said everything. And the following words came out of his mouth. But Dinda, I am nothing like my dad. So many times in my years as a believer, not a believer, a believer. <laughs> <Ta -da. laughs> Thank you, Theo. I had to counsel many teenagers that struggled with their identity because their earthly father, fathers missed their mark on earth. I remember counseling a yellow, another young man whose father was an electrician, but one of his regular clients was a brothel. So lo and behold, he took his son along to his call-out, all in the name of becoming a man. And you can imagine what type of example this young boy had to experience at a very, very tender age. Also, when I drove up here now at Atterbury, I saw a guy begging at the robot, and his teenage son was standing next to him. But when counseling these teenagers, my only saving grace was the following thing, that they were teenagers busy forging a relationship with our Heavenly Father. Thank goodness for that. So I could connect them with a father figure that, could start, that they could start identifying with. It's a different ballgame when someone doesn't acknowledge Heavenly Father, but I'm staying tonight in the fact that we all know the Heavenly Father, so I'm, I'm going to focus on that. And I promise you that this is not only applicable to teenagers, eh? But any person choosing to go into a relationship with our Heavenly Father, there's an identity thing going on. I remember way back in 1997, I was confronted with things in the Bible, because that's when I just started a new relationship with the Heavenly Father. And these things in the Bible started igniting my own identity journey. And just know this identity journey never ends. Because after my father died in 2010, I had another identity crisis. And by just connecting back with my heavenly father and his character was very key in my restoration. So it's a never-ending journey, this identity journey. So I don't know about you and your relationship with, with our heavenly father, but for me, and getting to know his character, 
I could identify with characteristics that I knew I wanted to strive towards. And slowly, very slowly but surely, I started changing from the inside out. And that's a major thing that you have to click. It must be inside out because otherwise you fake. Am I right? I must say some of the teenagers helped me a lot there as well. <laughs> So we, can take for, so we can talk for days and days about the characteristics of our Heavenly Father, but based on our time restriction tonight, I'm just going to focus on four, on four of them. So if you have a Bible close by or your app is open, go to the Old Testament and open the book of Hosea. And sorry, you can put up the first slide for us. Um, and I'm just going to read verse 19. So it's Hosea chapter 2 verse 19 and all four of these characteristics are taken up in this in this verse so it says i will betroth you to me forever i will betroth you in righteousness and justice in love and compassion i'm going to read it again i will betroth you to me forever i will betroth you in righteousness and justice in love and compassion and those last four words righteousness justice love and compassion that are that are the words we're going to explore tonight but before i dig into these four characteristics that word betrothed bugged me a hell of a lot when i read this verse i'm like what is this about so i just want to give you some context that helped me around the the book of Hosea. So in the days of, of Hosea, Israel was way off mark and worshipping other gods. Okay? Typical Old Testament, and Hosea was a prophet. Okay? So the Lord gave Hosea one specific message. The message was, turn, return to God. Return to God. Yet what was interesting about this prophet is that the first words the Lord spoke to him um, it, uh, it told us a lot about Hosea's unlikely marriage. And the words were, go take to yourself a woman of harlotry. Now that word means, so this young preacher married a woman, Gomer, with a background in prostitution. So that was told to him. So we have an insight in his earthly relationship. And within the Old Testament book, the reader picks up on the challenges and the heartache of this relationship. After three kids, she decided she's going to leave him for another lover. But it seems like this adventure went terribly wrong for this lady, um, as Lucia had to buy her back. So this implies that she ended up in slavery, but he bought her back and he restored her as his wife. Very interesting theme that was in this book. And if you read the book of Hosea, our Heavenly Father uses the prophet's personal relationship with his wife as a penetrating object lesson of his own relationship with his unfaithful people, Israel. So the book is soaked with um, words of, you know, the relationship between a husband and a wife. And that is why a word like betrothed will be in the, these verses. So just a sideline that it bugged me, so I just needed to find out why that word is there. Okay, so let's dive into our Heavenly Father's character. Firstly, we have the word righteousness. 
Now, some synonyms for synonyms. Synonyms. How's that? Some synonyms for the word for this word is integrity and worthiness. Now, learning about this word literally ignited my um, identity journey. Now, to ignite it means it's that match that goes over the flint of the box, and it's that first spark. That's the ignite. It's not the flame. It's that first spark before the flame goes. So the word righteousness and learning about righteousness, that ignited my identity journey. So when someone explained to me what righteousness is and they said, you are in right standing with God. Wow, those words meant so much to me. And um, like I said, it was a major turning point for me. And I also have this visual, and sorry if you can and put up the, just the second picture for me. It's a bit dark now there. Yeah, it's that one. It's, when, I, when I think about righteousness, I see myself standing behind a sheer curtain, you know, that you can see through, but it's like a pinkish, reddish one. And it feels like my Heavenly Father is on the other side of the curtain, and He looks at me through this curtain, okay? And um, it just feels like He looks at me through the blood of Jesus, and I am blameless, I am faultless, and I'm worthy in his presence. And a lot of us don't think we are worthy. So, so it's funny, and, and this was the, the big experience for me, is when I viewed myself as worthy, when I got that, you view your past indiscretions in a total different way. You're not shy about it anymore. You don't want to hide that anymore. And I became very honest with myself and with the people around me and this was great I'm, I must say life was less complicated for me you know because I didn't have to keep up a false front so that character of righteousness ignited my identity journey the second word was the word justice so um, I have a bit of a, a, a thing written down and I have to read it for you justice is not an optional product of our Heavenly Father's will, but an unchangeable principle of His very nature. I'm just going to read it again. Justice is not an optional product of our Heavenly Father's will, but an unchangeable principle of His very nature. And to just unpack that, synonyms for justice is fairness, open-mindedness, and objectivity. And you know, if I meet someone that is like this, I dig those type of people. I really like these type of people, and specifically if they at work with me, because these are the people that um, they see the bigger picture, they don't judge the first thing they see, and they're usually very wise. I love people like this. And this, this justice thing doesn't come very natural to me. So, yeah, I am still on my identity journey with this one working very hard on this thirdly we get the word love now you know this word love it is overused in this word in this world it actually has lost its power sometimes because you know i can stand and and care with one of my friends and i'm really really appreciating them at that moment i say yes you know you, you must remember i love you hey i re i really love you and then two seconds later, they give me a cream soda. I'm like, I love cream soda. You know, it's like, pfft, you know, the power has just dropped with that word. So um, 
yeah, getting to know my heavenly father in my identity journey, the word love has grown for me to three other words. Sacrificial, selfless, and servient. And, and also because we Christians sitting here, um, we acknowledge how massive our Heavenly Father's love is for us, and this is through the act that His Son did for us on the cross. And if that act drops in your spirit, you can't but be a changed person. Your identity just um, it folds around that, and you start to start grasping love, what it what it is and what it should be. So, yeah, love is another characteristic you can identify with and start working on. And lastly is the word compassion. Now, I have no compassion in any DNA in my whole body. It's very unnatural for me to have compassion. I have a short, I get the court maniki syndrome, a short man syndrome. I'm usually angry the whole time and I judge unconditionally, continuously. That's what's going on here. All right, and we just spoke about it earlier, that violence, that was a, quite a word that you used. Um, so when I was faced with this characteristic of the Lord, I just could not grasp compassion because it was theory. I'm like, you must be compassionate. Okay. Um, and I'm thinking, oh, whatever, you know, and I was getting angry again because I don't understand this. But luckily, our Heavenly Father knows how we learn and how we listen and what language must he use with us and I have told the story before but what happened is my father's toes started rotting yes you heard me right my dad was a recluse for about five years and he didn't move around a lot he was in the room he didn't want to go out he didn't want to see sunlight he looked like Einstein he didn't want to take a bath it was horrendous and so his blood flow to his feet was not ideal. And so obviously his toes caught the, the worst of it. And I thought he's got diabetes, you know, and oh dear, you know, but meanwhile it's just the blood flow. So the doctor said to me, my dear, you must wash your dad's feet and you must cleanse his toes at least once a week. And I'm like, okie dokie, you know. So starting this process, I was filled with anger. You can imagine, I'm like, can this guy not just not be a recluse and can you just get out of this room and just start walking then I don't have to sit here but physically I had to literally sit at his feet wash them clean them take them out of the water put cream on them rub it put it back in his shoes and my heart started feeling sympathy and obviously at this stage, I had no clue what this emotion is. I'm like, what is this? You know? But I realized that my anger was subsiding. And I started feeling a deep concern for this man. I started understanding, you know, maybe he was a product of his circumstances. He didn't take great choices. He tried his best. And all these things started growing in me. And I'm like, oh... Oh, compassion. Okay, I got it. But just remember that this didn't happen after one 
session of washing feet, it was a few months that it took for me to grasp this. So, so these four characteristics of our Heavenly Father are so powerful. Righteousness, justice, love, compassion. This is only four. And um, just think of it, if you, the rest of the week, if you just meditate on one of these words, your identity journey will kickstart again, will start for the first time, will deepen. And um, you will start aligning your identity with your Heavenly Father. And for me, life started becoming more transparent and more truthful. I wanted to say less complicated, but life is always complicated. But it, it, just, it just made life different to face. And imagine if more people just meditate on righteousness, justice love and compassion this world would look much different so i'm ending off my challenge i always give you guys a challenge are you still active in your identity journey or have you become complacent because when you're a new believer you click what the lord has done for you and so forth you start just learning things and learning things about yourself and changing from the inside out so are you still active with your identity journey? Secondly, and are the people that come in contact with you, do they think of you as a solid person? Man, this is a solid chick, you know? And thirdly, my biggest challenge to you, will your character ignite their identity journey? Let's pray together. Lord, thank you so much that you are some king, God, so big that we can aspire to be just like you. Thank you that your character is so massive that we can talk for days. Thank you tonight that we could touch on the tip of the iceberg, that we could talk and think about righteousness, your righteousness, justice, the fact that you love us and that you have complete compassion for us. Lord, I want to ask you that you give us the strength and the patience and the consistency to keep on going in our identity journey and that we never stop to try and emulate you and that just by being ourselves that we touch people's lives. So Lord, thank you. Thank you for being your feet and your hands on earth. Thank you for loving us first. Thank you for your son that died on the cross. I pray this in your name. Amen. Thanks guys. There is still coffee left.